Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Today, we're going to look at a question that nobody seems to ask at the right time, and doing so can help save your health and your money. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and bringing new insights to all hunters. Today, guys, I want to talk to you a little bit about when should you upgrade your hunting gear. Nobody asks this question, all right? I mean, I'm sure somewhere somebody does sometimes, but nobody asks this question, it seems, at the right time. People just upgrade their gear. They just, they buy stuff, there's impulse buys, something's on sale, they want it, they see it in a TV show or on YouTube, they have gotta get it-itis, and people upgrade their gear all the time, but they never do it strategically. Now in their minds, they think they're doing it strategically, but the truth is, they just saw a bunch of videos about whatever new Sitka jacket. And man, they got to have it. This jacket, this could be the thing. This could be the one. This is going to make the difference. Once they get this piece of gear, that's it. They're never going to be cold again. They're never going to be too bulky again. They're going to shoot more deer. They're going to take more turkeys. They're going to take more ducks, whatever the case may be. And so they go and they spend a bunch of money and they get the jacket. And then what happens? Well, my experience has been most of the time you get the shiny new piece of gear that you just had to have. And you know what it does for you? very little. All right. I'll tell you, I'll lead this whole thing off with one story. All right. Number of years back, I made the decision. I was going to upgrade my pants. I was going to get some serious hunting bibs. I was going to go all in 
get some high-end hunting bibs, insulated, Gore-Tex, you know, so that I could hunt in Antarctica if I needed to, or just sit in a deer blind for half a day, whichever, you know, whichever I found myself doing more. And so I went and I bought these bibs and, you know, I got them and they came and they were excellent and I was very happy with them. I was super thrilled with them. They were everything that I wanted and all was right with the world. And that was like three years ago. And you want to know how many times I've used them? I could count on one hand how many times I've worn these bibs into the woods. Now, what happened there? What went wrong? Well, nothing went wrong. Nothing bad happened. There were no miscalculations. There was just a misalignment of expectation. You see, I thought these bibs were going to be a bigger deal than they were. And what I didn't realize was it's only the perfect tool under certain conditions, under very specific circumstances. And so I got this this great tool, but it just wasn't a tool that I have needed to use often. You know, if any of you work on cars, you get a torque wrench and you know you can you can torque off those bolts exactly where you want them to be. You could pull the, the head gasket on your car and replace it and torque those bolts right down to the exact number of foot pounds. And now you finally have the perfect tool for the job. You got the perfect torque wrench. But how often are you really doing that? Most people, not very often, right? It's a very rarely used tool. When you need it, it's the perfect tool for the job and you're thankful for it. But the rest of the time, mm, it, it only goes so far. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's just unused most of the time. And so when we're looking at upgrading our gear, we gotta be careful about gotta have it-itis about this piece of gear is going to be the thing that is going to do something big and change my life and make me a better hunter and I'll be comfortable for the rest of my life and this, that, and the other thing. It's just unrealistic expectations. And so oftentimes, the gear that people upgrade is not the gear they needed most. All right? We're not strategic. We don't ask this question, the question that we're examining today. When should I upgrade my gear? Now, there's two ways to answer this. One is in terms of seasonality. That's the easier one. We'll tackle that as well. But the bigger one is in relationship to you personally and where you're at in your hunting gear journey or whatever you want to call it. And so when should you upgrade your gear? Well, before we jump into that, I want to encourage you guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, and this is not your first episode, you probably should hit the subscribe button. You should also probably go to iTunes and leave a five-star review with comment because it's the number one way to help grow the channel. Would appreciate that. And then you should probably consider supporting the show on Patreon. It really makes a difference and helps make all of the thorough, in-depth YouTube testing videos on YouTube that I do. Of course, YouTube videos on YouTube. Genius, right? You could tell this is scripted. Uh, it, It makes all of these videos possible. Targets, paper, ammo, supplies, equipment, all the things that we test. Uh, There's just 
It, that got to come from somewhere. So I really appreciate the support of all my Patreon fans. And uh, you guys can find the link on the website. You can find it in the show notes of this episode and at the bottom of every page on the website, newhuntersguide.com. And of course, you can go straight to Patreon. If this is your first time listening and this is your first episode, enjoy. All right, so let's go ahead. When should you upgrade your gear? All right, so the way to answer this question strategically, number one, what are your biggest pain points? You've hunted, you've been in the woods. What are the woods telling you that you need to upgrade? Literally, what is the pain that you feel most when you're in the woods? What are the areas of challenge, all right? When you come back from the woods, what's cold? What's worn out? What hurts? What's sore? What are the things about your hunt that are impacting your body and your ability to hunt well? These are the things we should be focusing on first. All right. If you can't stay in the woods long because your feet get cold and and you're having to cut hunt short because of how cold your feet get, well, then your footwear, your foot gear, is probably the lowest hole in the bucket. And if you're unfamiliar with that metaphor, you, well, it's, it's one of my favorite ones. I learned it from Jeff Sturgis. I'm sure he did not invent it. He has some of the best whitetail content on all of YouTube. But the idea here is that, you know, if you look at your hunting bucket, you start filling this thing with water. You're trying to get it to the top. And... Wherever it finds a hole in the side of the bucket, it starts to leak out of. And the water level can never go above the lowest hole in the bucket. All right. So if your bucket is, you know, say it's a a 10 inch bucket and you have a hole an inch above the bottom of the bucket. Well, then the most water you can ever put in that bucket is one inch of water. So you want to find the lowest hole in the bucket, find that hole an inch from the bottom plug it, seal it, and then the water level can go up. It can rise until it reaches the next hole. Now, maybe that hole's three inches from the bottom of the bucket. Well, then you plug that hole and now it can go above the three inch mark and it can rise until it finds the next hole. And what we want to do with our gear, and I use this analogy in so many other ways, but with our gear, we want to constantly be trying to plug the lowest hole in the bucket. A lot of people, they try to plug the most visible hole in the bucket, right? They try to plug the hole. They're always trying to plug holes at the top of the bucket. So they plug all these holes in the top of the bucket. And what happens is it changes nothing because the lowest hole in the bucket is still draining out the water. So you plugged all the holes that are right around the top of the bucket. That's great. Sooner or later, those needed to get plugged. But the waters, there's still no water in our bucket because we're just out of order. And so if your footwear is your biggest problem, it is your lowest hole in the bucket, and you buy a new parka, and you get a Gore-Tex hat, and you get fancy gloves, and, and you get a new shotgun or a new rifle, and you get a new pickup truck to haul all your stuff in, and you get a new sled to pull your gear, and whatever, well, it's not, it's not going to fix the foot problem. You're not going to be able to hunt any longer. You're still going to be limited to these short hunts 
because you're out in the woods wearing tennis shoes and it's negative five plus wind chill and uh, you got a Gore-Tex parka on from First Light or Sitka or Cooey or somebody else, but you're still out there wearing spring shoes, the wind goes right through them and you got white socks on, all right? It doesn't matter what else you buy, what else you wear, the lowest hole in the bucket has not been plugged. So then what you need to do is, all right, what's our problem? What's our biggest pain point? What's our biggest limiting factor? That's the thing we want to look at. We want to focus there and address that. All right, so let's look at these cold feet. Okay, what's the problem here? Three hours into the hunt, our feet get super cold, start cramping up, tingly, can't feel them, turns to pain, have to get up and walk out of the woods to get the blood flowing so we don't feel like we're going to have to amputate them. I've been there. It's cold, and I've never had any significant damage. I've never had frostbite, but I have had extreme pain and discomfort and had to end hunts because my feet were so cold. So what do you do? Well, you've got to address it. So what's the problem? What is causing all this cold? Is Do you have bad foot or your boots bad? You need better boots. All right, what are better boots? Well, maybe you have decent boots, but the wind cuts right through them, all right? So you need windproof boots or waterproof boots. Uh, maybe you need insulated boots. Maybe you need some really cold or cold weather, highly insulated, windproof, waterproof boots. Figure out what is causing your feet to get cold. Maybe your socks are bad. May, I mean, bad's not the right term because every sock has a time when it's good. It's just you don't have the right socks for cold weather hunting. So you need to get some better socks. So you can get some wool socks. You can get some merino wool socks, which are about the best thing out there. They've got alpaca wool. I think they have bison wool even these days. Um, now, footnote about those things. I have researched this stuff some. And, you know, sometimes I just geek out about these kind of things. But you look at the alpaca wool socks and the bison wool socks. And there's a couple other super duper specialty warmer than fire socks that are out there made of these exotic materials. I looked into them. I thought about getting some pairs. And I couldn't find one that was more than like 45% bison wool or more than like 45% alpaca wool. They're always blended with something else. And my thought is, if you're going to spend ridiculous money to get this specialty product, the majority of the product ought to be that. And so if my socks are 60% something else and 40% bison wool, well, there's six, the limiting factor there's that 60% of something else. And so I've never been impressed with this kind of specialty stuff. Um, but the Merino wool socks, man, they make some great ones. Check out the video I did for the warmest Merino wool socks when I tested them. But the bottom line is you may need to get some better socks. So get some wool socks, get some Merino wool socks. Maybe you want to get a super thick pair. Maybe you want to wear two regular thick pairs. Get the right kind of socks that are going to pull moisture away from your foot. Help get that out of there, evaporate it. And most importantly, wool socks or merino wool socks are going to stay warm when wet. They retain their thermal insulative properties even when soaked through. So it makes a big difference. So all right, you get some good socks. Then you get some good boots. All right, boom. Your feet are no longer the lowest hole in the bucket. Now, maybe you don't have the money right now to go and buy all this stuff, or maybe it's not the right time. 
And I'll address that in a bit. It's not the right time to do it. So you can cheat. All right. There are ways to cheat. You can get some of those hand warmer packs. Go to go get some hot hands at Walmart or wherever and get a couple of those. Put those in your shoes. What I like to do is I get some thin masking tape and I will take one of those hot packs, open it, put it right on my toes and just the as lightly as I possibly can, just do a super light loop around that my, my foot or right around the bottom of my sock and the top of the thing to hold it on top of my toes because that's where you want it. I don't want any tightness or any tension on it. I don't want to be able to feel the tape. I don't want to know it's there. I definitely don't want any compression around my toes. I just don't want the pack to move when I slide my foot into my boot or throughout the day. And those hot packs, you get the big ones if you, if you got room in your boots or you get the small ones if you don't. And they do a world of difference. They can make, you know, really bad boots, um, you know, really come up a scale or notch on the scale there. And they can help you get through a little longer. So maybe you buy some good socks and some hand warmer packs and throw them in your old lame boots until you're able to get some better boots, right? There's ways to cheat and there's ways to buy time. All right, you plug that hole in the bucket. So now you go out hunting. And you can hunt for the whole day. Now, you've never done that before, so you don't know what the next limiting factor is because you always had to had to cut out after about three hours because your feet started freezing up. So you find right around the six-hour mark, man, your fingers are really freezing up. Like you are not able to keep hunting because of your fingers. You can't keep them on your gun. You can't stay in a ready position. What do you need to do now because your fingers are your next limiting factor? Well, maybe you need to get some better gloves. Maybe you need to get some thicker gloves. Maybe you need to get some high-tech, high-performance gloves that are still warm, but give you enough dexterity to pull a trigger. Maybe you need a hand-warming strategy. They make those hand-warming muff tubes. It's kind of like a fanny pack, but made out of Gore-Tex and Thinsulate and stuff. And you just wear that around your waist, and you can keep your hands in there, and you can throw even some of those warmer packs inside of that, and then you're good to keep your hands warm in Antarctica. Or maybe you get, uh, uh, you need another coat that has some hand-warming pockets built into it that'll do just as good or close to it. Something like that. Well, you got to come up with a plan. Maybe you wear two pairs of gloves. Maybe you wear some glomets. I'm a big fan of the glomets. The glove mitts that you just flip your fingers out of and turn them from a mitt into a glove. They're sort of like fingerless gloves, but you wear a glove under them. I did a whole YouTube video on the subject, a review of some. Check it out. They work great. Maybe that's your strategy. So you get something else. Put some money into your gloves or your hand warming plan. All right, now you've got that figured out. You're out there, you're hunting. What's the next lowest hole in the bucket? Oh man, every time that wind blows, it just cuts right through you. And by the end of the day, you're just shivering. All right, maybe your parka's not up to it. Maybe your coat is the next lowest hole in the bucket. It's not windproof. So you need to find a good windproof insulated coat it's not loud and you then get one of those all right now you're now you're back in the game okay what's the next lowest hole in the bucket all right well your head's cold uh your ears are freezing up all right maybe you need a better hat maybe you need a balaclava maybe you need something else to throw on top there you just work through this process to figure out what is the biggest pain point all right, what do I need to do? 
Maybe your feet aren't cold, but every day once you get back from covering ground, your legs hurt, your back hurts, you're in pain, your knees hurt. Uh, Maybe your boots are plenty warm. They're just too heavy or they're too stiff. They're just not good for walking long distances in. So maybe you need to get some hiking boots or you need to get something with more mobility, more flexibility. Maybe the boots you have are good for sitting in a tree stand or good for sitting in a hunting blind, but they're not good for walking a few miles in the day. So you need to add some boots to your to your setup. They're going to let you walk comfortably and then mitigate all those issues that you've been having. What I can tell you is if you wear the wrong boots, if I wear my deer blind boots uh, to go jump hunting or to go still hunting, I could be exhausted by the end of the day because it takes a lot more energy to move, to walk. Your ankles don't have flexibility. They come right up to your knees. They're heavy. They're bulky. You're stepping on more things. It's just It just takes a lot more energy to do the same things. So if you have the right boots for the job, maybe that's the thing you need to upgrade next. So you work through this process and it it really, it's a never ending process and that's okay as long as you have discipline. All right. What's the lowest hole in the bucket right now? What do you need? Well, man, I keep coming back and I'm soaking wet from sweating and I'm cold. Okay. Maybe your base layers need upgraded. Maybe you need to get some merino wool base layers. Maybe you need to get some high-end synthetic base layers. George, which one's better? Well, that's that's a war in and of itself that we don't need to fight today. Uh, but uh, my opinion on it, I am steered towards the merino base layers. Um, and there's a YouTube video out there. Let's see, when's this podcast going to air versus that? You- right around the time this podcast airs, I'll be also airing a YouTube video where I test head-to-head merino wool base layers against synthetic base layers in an experiment to see which one dries the fastest. I already did a video looking at which ones are warmer, but I'll just leave it at this. My opinion steers a little more towards the merino than the synthetic. That said, merino is more expensive than synthetic. However, I'm not talking about comparing your $20 synthetic base layers that you picked up at, you know, whatever discount store you got them versus some first light base layers that are $120. It's not what we're comparing, right? Merino wool base layers can only really be compared to the high-end base layers. You want a good example? Go to Sitka. They make lightweight, midweight, and heavyweight merino, and they make lightweight, midweight, and heavyweight synthetic. Those are the two that you want to compare against each other. That's the ballpark that that comparison is working at. You can't take the $150 synthetic Sitka base layer and compare it against the $10 Walmart special. It's It's not the same caliber of equipment. The expensive ones are going to be a little warmer. They're going to dry a little faster. They're going to wear a little easier. They're going to have be treated for scent control and things like that. Uh, they're going to be higher performing than the $10 base layer. And then the Merino wool base layer, that sort of sets the bar. There really aren't many cheap ones. Amazon, I think, makes a cheap one. I've not touched it. I've not used it. But I have heard good things about it. Nonetheless, you want to, you, maybe you've got, you got $10 base layers. Maybe you need to upgrade to $50 base layers. 
right? Cabela's has some nice synthetic base layers that are in the $50 zone. The EWC or ECWCS uh, base layers that they do, they're real nice. For the money, I think they're the best thing on the market. They're not the best base layer on the market, but for the money, for 50 bucks, you can't get a better base layer that I know of. But whatever. You're at the $10 level, maybe you need to upgrade to the $50 level. You're at the $50 level, maybe you want to upgrade to the $120 level. Doesn't matter, right? The, the levels, it just matters what's your lowest hole in the bucket now, and then what do you want to do to upgrade that? Uh, people say, well, George, should I jump straight to the super expensive ones? I don't know your budget. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how many other holes you have in the bucket or where they are in relationship to this one. If you're wearing $10 Walmart base layers, you probably shouldn't go out and just buy $120, $150 base layers. You should probably go somewhere in the middle there. Um, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. You don't want to sink too much money in the one piece of gear if you've got lots of things that you need to buy. All right. And, and the $50 ones, you'll still use them. I still use my Cabela's ones, even though I've got First Light ones and some other ones that are high-end like that, that are super quality, super materials. I still wear the Cabela's ones at times because on that day for that hunt under those conditions, that's a good choice. So I'm going to wear that under those circumstances. And I'm going to save the wear and tear on my more expensive ones for the hunts that they're the best choice for. And so, you know, I, I retire very few pieces of gear. Even when I, I get, you know, significantly better gear, I retire very little. And by retire, I mean give to a friend, give to a newer hunter, or if it's just not serviceable, I mean take it to the thrift store, throw it away whatever, but I, I, there's very little that, that falls into that category. It just, everything has a place. Everything has a day and a time and a circumstance where that piece of equipment may be the best piece of equipment. And so uh, I don't get rid of a whole lot of stuff. It's not because I'm a hoarder. It's because I can look at a piece of gear and say, on these types of days, on this type of hunt twice a year, this is going to be the right thing to wear for that. And so I'll keep it. Now, if I look at something and I've, I've just straight up replaced it with something better all the way around and I have, you know, I've got a backup, well then, you know, if it no longer has a place, if I can't say this is the day and time and situation I would wear this, well then that's, that's the gear that's ready to be gifted to somebody else or be retired, whatever the situation. So you want to look at what are your pain points right now? All right, you may come to a point where you're like, hey, this uh, this break action single shot shotgun uh, 28 gauge is just not really doing a great job for me for duck hunting. Um, I, I'm not really getting too many follow-up shots with this thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm warm enough. I'm dry enough. I just, uh, maybe I should upgrade the shotgun, right? There's a time for that. You know, all of your gear Everything, it will come a time where it's ready to upgrade that, where it's the next thing in line. It's the lowest hole in the bucket. It all depends on what you have, right? If you're out there with tennis shoes and a single shot shotgun, you probably need to upgrade the shoes first. If you don't have any base layers, you probably need to buy base layers before you upgrade the shotgun, right? There, there's a priority level and it's not what's most important to you Maybe some of it is, 
But the reason it would be most important is because it's the thing that's the biggest hindrance. As opposed to, now if you're listening to this, you've probably reached this point and said, yeah, right, that makes sense. That's basically what most people do, right? No, no, it's not. Most people think they do that. They would tell you they do that. If they listen to the same episode to this point, they would say, yeah, I do that, but they don't. They just think they do. They upgrade their gear based on the marketing that they see, based on whatever new shiny thing screams the loudest or catches their ear at the right time or or gets their attention at the right moment. That's the thing that they upgrade. That's the thing that they reach for. That's what they're going to do. And it's not about what makes the most sense for them. It's not about what's going to have the most utility for them. It's not about what they're going to wear the most. It's about this thing screaming the loudest. It's got my attention. I keep thinking about it day or night. You're like, George, how could you think about base layers day or night? Oh, people do. But I'm not just talking about base layers. This happens all the time with shotguns. This happens with new scopes. This happens with do certain ammo. This happens with reloading equipment. This happens with waders. This happens with turkey calls. This happens with all different kinds of things across all different kinds of hunting. People get to gotta have it itis. They get the emails. Oh man, this company just released this new thing. Oh man, this is on the market now. Oh man, this is on sale, 10% off. Oh man, if I just had that, if I they watch these videos where people are using it and, and those people are doing all the things that they want to do, it's not by accident. It's all strategic to get you to want it. And so you got to be careful. You don't just fall into that because it will work on you night and day. These companies that really know what they're doing on the marketing side, you get on their email list, they're going to email you every day. You get on their text message list, they're going to text you all the time. You're going to start seeing their, their ads all over the internet, no matter where you go, the news, the weather channel, Facebook, you're going to be seeing their ads for that thing that they know that you want because you open the email, you clicked on it three times. And every time they send you that thing in an email, you click on it. Now it follows you around everywhere you go online. It follows you around when you're sitting in your car, waiting for your wife to get ready to go out to eat and you're on your phone and you're playing a game. There's that ad for that thing that you've got to have because they said so. Guys, you got to shut that off. You got to turn that off. You got to get away from that. What that's going to do is burn through your budget, burn through your money, and it is going to get you stuff that is not what you need right now. Maybe that thing is something you should get someday. Maybe it's time will come. But is that the right thing to get now? And so I learned all of this stuff. Uh, I, ha- I came up actually slightly different side of the mountain. And when I said at the beginning, this will help your health. This is what I mean. And, and maybe you've heard this story before if you've been a hardcore listener for a few years. But there's some, some elements to it here I'm going to stress that I, I may not have done before. So I came up. I thought I had all the hunting gear I need. I had all kinds of layers. I was packed out on layers. And I remember the day 
where, uh, well, let me just back up a little bit. I remember the season. All right, I'm out there hunting deer, archery hunting, but it was a cold archery season. And of course, the best days to hunt deer in archery season are the coldest days. And so I'm out there the coldest days. It's 20 degrees, 25 degrees, windy. I'm sitting in a tree stand. I'm sitting in a blind, freezing. And I mean, just shivering by midday. I mean, literally shivering. I have to get up and take walks, which if you know a whole lot about deer hunting, taking walks in the middle of your hunt is one of the best ways to blow up your hunt. But if you can't stand, I've had to turn the car on and go sit in the car for an hour to warm up. And then as soon as I got back in the stand, I realized I didn't warm up as much as I thought I did. I warmed up enough to stop the shivering, but within 20 minutes, I'm shivering again. And so I'm sitting there, I'm, I got all my layers, I'm doing this, you know, I kept getting sick. I'd do one or two or three of these cold hunts and then, then I would just come down sick and I'd be a mess for a week or two. And I remember the day I was getting in my car to go out hunting. It was in another one of these freezing cold, windy mornings. And I had so many layers and I decided this was it. This was the day. I was done. I was not going to be cold anymore. I put all my layers on. I was layered out. I could barely fit in my car. I mean, I, I could I could not sink down into the seat of my car properly. And as I'm trying to push myself into the seat of the car, I had this epiphany. I was like, well, George, you can't wear any more layers. I mean, this is it. You are maxed out. These are the most number of layers you can get unless you upgrade your vehicle. Which, of course, would not have been the right priority thing to do at that moment. Rarely is. So I drive out to the woods, I hike up to the top of the hill, I get in the deer stand. Within about two or three hours, I am cold. Right around 10 o'clock, which was, I don't know, about four or five hours in, I am freezing. I mean really cold. That wind blows, it is going right through me, and I thought, dear me, I need to shoot a deer in the worst way so I have an excuse to leave. Right, because I don't, I don't want to keep going home empty-handed. I don't want to be telling people, yeah, I hunted till ten on the day I took off work to hunt all day. I'm like, why'd you only hunt till ten? Because I got too cold and I had to leave. I was just like, I really need to get a deer so I can stop doing this. And thank God, a deer walked out not long later, shot it, perfect shot. Watched the deer run about 40, 50 yards. Watched it go down hearts pumping, blood's racing, so excited. And then you realize, I can't get out of my tree stand. I am so cold, I cannot operate my hands and my feet and my legs and my knees and my arms properly to get me out of the tree stand. I am too stiff. Now, I'm not like 90 years old at this point. I'm probably like 32 something around there i mean this this shouldn't be happening i had to start doing exercises in the tree stand to get myself loosened up nimble enough to finally climb down i went to go field dress the deer and i couldn't do it i couldn't use my fingers to use the knife to field dress the deer so i had to start dragging the deer back and forth and back 
And fourth, to warm myself up enough to get enough use of my fingers back, enough dexterity, just to feel dress the deer. And then drug it out of the woods, made it back to the car, got it out of there. And of course, I was sick within 24 hours again. All right. And that's when I realized I can't do more layers. I have got to do better layers. I can't do more layers. I needed better layers. And I didn't know what better layers were. I had no idea. And so I just embarked upon a world of research. And I've done podcast episodes on this. You guys can look back, you know, different kinds of hunting insulation broken down. Um, Everything you need to know about hunting bibs. You may say, well, I'm not interested in bibs. You need to listen to that episode because it gives you the, the basic framework to evaluate all hunting gear for quality and for what you need. And so I learned about insulation. I learned about layers. I learned about barriers. And I realized the gear that I have, I don't have any barriers. I had layers. I had five or six layers, but there were no barriers. There was nothing to keep the wind out. So no matter how warm my stuff was, when the wind blew, it cut right through, right through. And I was cold and I was wearing cotton, a lot of my gear. And as soon as cotton gets wet from sweating, from precipitation, usually it's the sweat from walking to your spot. Well, it loses like almost all of its insulated capabilities. It never warms back up. It just stays wet and sucks the heat right out of your soul which is exactly what was happening. So I realized, okay, I need to change some things up. Now I basically needed new everything. And I had, I was at a point in my hunting career where I thought I had everything I needed. If you would have said, George, what, what, are, what piece of gears up next? What do you really need? I would have said, I'm good. I, I got everything I need. I'm all set. And I realized I needed new everything. Unless I was going to move down south and hunt in warm weather. But for where I was hunting and the way I was hunting, I needed new everything. Well, I couldn't buy new everything. I didn't have money for that. I didn't have money for hardly new anything. I couldn't go out and buy Sitka gear. I didn't even know what Sitka gear was at this point. Never even heard of it. So I'm like, okay, what do I buy? So I started doing doing my research, trying to figure it out. Okay. What are the biggest issues? The biggest issue is when the wind blows, I get so cold, I get sick. So I need to get a new coat. I need a barrier. So, all right, I went out, I invested, I got myself a new coat. Well, actually, it wasn't a new coat. My wife got me a coat at an estate sale for $20 that somebody at a, had paid four or $500 for at Cabela's, I don't know, 20 years before. And so, all right, I got a coat. And so, wore this coat a little bit. Wow, is that helpful. All right, I needed some bibs. Got some bibs. Wow, does that make a difference. All right, hands are cold. Head's cold. Feet are cold. All right, we got better gloves. We got some better boots. All right, we got some better gloves. All right, we got some better headgear. All right, I had already... Uh, I didn't upgrade base layers. I just started using different base layers that I already had in my collection. I had cheap stuff, but at least if you're using polyester base layers, that's a world better than cotton base layers. So I was using super cheap, thin stuff. Eventually, I started upgrading base layers, upgraded my mid layers. Now, this happened over the course of years. 
but I started with the lowest hole in the bucket and then everything is the next lowest hole in the bucket. Just getting a decent coat made such a drastic difference. Just getting a decent pair of boots made such a drastic difference. All right, again, I didn't get them all in one season. Every year I was getting one or two things. And this leads me to the other thing that I told you guys I would address. And that's when, in terms of the calendar, should you buy stuff? Well, there are two best times to buy new hunting gear. One, the single best that I've found, usually, is right after hunting season. As soon as it's over. Stuff starts going on sale, going on clearance, 50% off. If you need a decent coat, go to Rural King after hunting season and you can get a windproof insulated parka for like $40. It's like 70% off or whatever. Just, you know, unbelievable the prices. Is it the best parka in the world? No, no, it's not. But it is the single best coat you could ever buy for $40. And it could definitely, you know, help you if you're using garbage and and just plug that hole. And then, you know, five years later, once you plug every other hole, maybe you're ready to, to upgrade to a really nice coat. But the bottom line is this time of the year, man, you can get stuff often for half off, many times more than that. Even some of the big brands, some of the high-end brands, they will go 30, 40, maybe more percent off. Second best time to buy hunting gear is usually right around Black Friday. Now, not always on Black Friday, not always Cyber Week, but these companies usually run a big fall sale, big Christmas push right around then, and you can get some pretty good deals. One pair of boots I was going to buy, I think I got it like 40% off. I just kept checking Amazon. Kept checking Amazon. One day I logged in, hey, they're 40% off right now. Just, it was that time of the year. All of them were went, went on sale. Boom, nailed it. The third best time of the year to buy hunting gear is when these big companies put it on sale unexpectedly. One day, two day only, special sale, don't know it's coming, didn't know it was going to happen, and boom, it's 30% off today, this week, 48 hours only, those kinds of things. And you, you, you just don't always know if and when that's going to happen. And so what do you do? Well, you usually, here's, here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to catch you off guard, throw up this big shiny piece of gear that you've been waiting for. Hey, it's on sale. You need to buy it. Of course, you don't have the money, but it's on sale and you need it now and the sale's limited and you better buy it or you're never going to get it. And so you go ahead and buy it and you spend money that you should have spent on your car insurance. You spend money that should have been in the grocery budget because you had get this piece of gear itis. So what you need to do, put your big boy pants on and save up the money and sit on it. All right, just sit on it until that piece of gear goes on sale. You might say, well, George, the thing I wanted, the the whatever, the, the, the first light parka, the Sitka pants, the Cooey hat, the Cabela's gloves, whatever, they didn't go on sale 
right after Christmas like you said they would. Well, good thing most hunting seasons are over by then anyway, and it's not going to help you till next year. So what you need to do, take that money, put it in an envelope, put it in a spare account, set it aside, and wait. Just wait. For how long? Until they go on sale for the price that you want them. Sometimes these companies will do a spring sale. Sometimes they'll do like a President's Day sale. They'll do a St. Patrick's Day sale. They'll do a, uh, a Labor Day sale. They'll do Memorial Day sale. Fourth of July sale. They'll do a, hey, it's a special weekend because our revenue is way down and we need to hit our numbers by the end of the month so we can make payroll. So everything's on sale next 48 hours. They don't say that. They're not calling it that. They'll come up with some catchy, super slick marketing for why this is a 48-hour only sale and everything's half off. You know, they're going to come up with some reason for it, but these are sometimes the financial forces that drive these spontaneous super sales. And so you wait for those moments with the cash in hand until the gear you want is up for sale at the price you want. You wait, and you're like, oh, it's on sale for 10% off. No, I want 30. It's, um, I'm waiting for 30. Uh huh, it's on sale 15%. No, waiting for 30. And then when it finally goes on sale, 30% off, first day of summer clearance sale, getting rid of last year's stuff to get next year's stuff, which they're not telling you is next year's stuff is last year's stuff, but within a different color. And you're like, all right, finally, 30% off, I'm getting it. And that's what you do. Once you've decided what the next piece is, you save up the money. And if it's not on sale when you want it to be on sale, you just put the money aside because it will go on sale. Like if I, I don't buy it now in January, I'll never get it. Well, hunting season's a long time away. The cold hunting season is even further away. You've got time. You're like, what if they discontinue the piece of gear that I want? There are other pieces of gear that are just as good. They make new ones every day. And if they discontinue the one you want, it'll probably go on clearance and you can get it even cheaper than if you buy it now them discontinuing it could be the best thing that ever happened for you all that matters is that you get the money save it up be strategic and wait for the deal that you want to have you might wait six months doesn't matter you wait boom then when you're ready to buy it you buy it and here's the other thing you're like what if something else comes up in the meantime you mean if you find a lower hole in the bucket well you did yourself a favor then you had the money to, to plug the lower hole in the bucket. You realize, oh man, I really thought I needed this coat, but my boots, they're like a hole straight through them. Well, good. You now have the money to fix the boots, which were a bigger priority than the coat. So it's a good thing you didn't buy the coat already. Then you save up your money in the coat account until you're ready for the coat. Whatever the case is, if it's a gun, if it's any number of things, you wait until you have the money and then you wait until you find the right price time is your friend all right you want to play the game every now and then you find something you didn't know existed right you go to uh you know ollie's and you find a piece of gear that wasn't on your menu didn't even know it was out there it's just a hodgepodge at a discount store close out you're like hey this is every bit as good or better than what i was saving up to buy and this is half the price you know, when you have the money in hand and you're waiting for the price in the moment, 
oftentimes other things will come up and, and you'll save even more because you're in the right place at the right time with the money to buy it. And so you want to be upping your gear at the right time of the year for the right pricing, but also you want to prioritize it based on what do you need in order to plug the lowest hole in the bucket. Now, along with that, you also need to think big picture. The first thing I told you guys was the story about that bibs. All right, those bibs were the lowest hole in the bucket for me at that time. I was right, but only for a few hunts a year was I going out and weathered that cold that I needed those bibs. And so I was right to buy them. I'm glad I have them. But it's a good thing I didn't buy them two or three years earlier when I had way bigger priorities for pieces of gear that I use much more often. All right. You need to have some sense of how many times per year am I going to use this thing. All right. So say you're a duck hunter and you don't own any waders and you decide you're going to buy some waders. That's your lowest hole in the bucket. Well, you're going to use those every time you hunt. Every single time. That's a big deal. That's going to get use. But now maybe you've got breathable waders. And they're really not warm enough come January. And you need to get some neoprene waders. Alright, well now you need to analyze. Hey, is this the right move right now? Should I get these neoprene waders? You know, how many days a year am I going to use these? How many of these late season hunts am I going to use them? Um, a, a year or so ago... I got a really cool piece of gear that I didn't know existed as a Christmas present. All right. Somebody got me a pair of Sitka Wader mid-layers. Like, I had never heard of such a thing. They're like a bib. You put them on, and they're just all, like, fluffy and burly on the outside. They're this really strange look. You would never wear them in public. They look like pajamas. But they are non-compressible, insulated bib mid-layers to be worn under waders in the coldest conditions. So when that cold water squeezing against your legs and your waist, the non-compressible insulation keeps it out, keeps you warm, pushes it back. So that cold layer waiter doesn't just you know suck the heat out of you. It gives you that breathing room. So you're able to, it's kind of like a dry suit. I mean, it's just, it's impressive. I never knew they existed. Didn't even know such a thing was made. They got them for me for Christmas. Was that my lowest hole in the bucket? No. No, it was not, but it was a present. So I was happy to have them. It would have been a long time before I bought them, though, because I really only hunt in conditions that cold where something like that is needed a couple times a year. I mean, that, that that's like a, that's like a two or three time a year piece of gear for me. I very rarely use them. Super good piece of gear. Not a bad thing to say about them other than I wish they would just be a color that looks less like pajamas. Great job, Sitka. Like, what are you thinking with this? Like, I wish I could wear those out to eat after I was done hunting, but you can't because it looks like you're wearing pajamas. But they're super warm. They do what they were meant to do exceptionally well. Very thankful for them. But that's a two or three time a year piece of gear. I'm glad I have it, but I would have not spent sticker price or, or probably any significant price to get them because of how rarely I would use them. 
And so the bottom line is there would have come a point years down the road probably where I would have started looking at something like that. But when you're the one making the decisions, you need to plug the lowest hole in the bucket. That was a top hole of the bucket piece of gear. Like good to have probably eventually someday would have gotten around to something like that. But it wouldn't have been good for me to have spent my money on that today because I had other priorities of things that are were more important at that point in time that were going to make a bigger difference or they were just going to get used more, right? A lot of this super cold weather gear only gets used so often, but the same thing can be true for some of the super warm weather gear. You may only use it so often. So you want to also think about, okay, what's the lowest hole in the bucket for the most hunts? And that's the final piece of the pie. What is the lowest hole in the bucket for the highest number of hunts? That is your biggest priority item, right? These special boots that I'm only going to wear if I'm hunting ducks in January in flooded timber in Arkansas that I go once a year to do that. Okay, well, that's important, but that one day a year where that's the best piece of gear is probably not more important than something that you need that you're going to wear 20 days a year. All right, so you got to think about it. All right, super specialized stuff can absolutely be the best tool, but if you're buying a, I, I gave the analogy earlier, if you're getting a torque wrench, but you don't own a socket wrench, well, you're out of, your priorities are out of whack. Like, well, I need a torque wrench. Sure, but you need a socket wrench more. You're going to use a socket wrench all the time. You're going to use a torque wrench once every three years. You're going to buy a torque wrench, but you don't have a socket wrench. You don't have the everyday tool. You're using like a screwdriver and a hammer and a, and a, and a pair of pliers and trying to pretend it's a socket somehow. No, you need to upgrade the socket wrench, the thing you're going to use all the time before you buy the thing you're going to use every couple years. Even though the thing you're going to use every couple years is important, you can find workarounds for that one time every couple years. You could borrow one, right? There are ways you could, you know, there, there, are, there there's ways to jerry-rig things. You can get by that one time every couple years where you could use this one piece of gear really bad so that you can have the quality piece of gear that you're going to wear almost every time you go into the woods that's your lowest hole in the bucket. So guys, I hope this has been helpful for you. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Would love to hear from you. Send me your feedback. Check out Patreon. Check out iTunes. Leave a review. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, God bless you and go get them in the woods.